Good morning, church. So good to be with you. We continue our Sermon on the Mount series, and this morning we're looking at Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. Listen carefully, this is Jesus speaking. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In these five verses here, Jesus reminds us that we are in the world, but not of the world. And that we must be careful not to be so attached to this life, so invested in this present world, so preoccupied with the here and now, so caught up in this life and its comforts and pleasures. The bottom line is this. Jesus is saying, don't focus your life and your energies on things that won't last. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Instead, focus your life and your energies on things that will endure to eternal life. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. And then listen carefully to what Jesus says next. We are looking at verses 25 to 34. And I want to spend the rest of our morning in these 10 verses. Listen carefully. This is Jesus speaking. And he says this. He says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and your body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life? And then verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. 
If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I'm sure some of you have heard these verses interpreted in this way. It is a sin to worry. When you worry, you show a lack of faith. When you worry, you show a lack of trust. Worry is a big no-no. Faithful Christians do not worry. Well, that's one way to interpret these verses. But let me offer an alternative. Perhaps these verses are more about God and less about us. Perhaps these verses are more about God's vow, God's pledge, God's promise, God's covenant to take care of, of you, to take care of us, and less about our lack of faith. I love when I get to perform a wedding. It's one of the most enjoyable aspects of my role as a pastor. I especially love the part of the I especially love the part of the ceremony where the couple exchanges their vows. Here's the vows I have them say to each other. I take you to be my beloved wife, to be my beloved husband. To have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death do us part. As God is my witness, I give you my promise. Essentially, this is the vow, this is the pledge, this is the promise, the covenant that the couple is making. They're saying to one another, I receive you as my beloved. And no matter what happens in life, either good or bad, I will take care of you. I promise. And similarly, in these verses, perhaps the vow, the pledge, the promise, the covenant that God is making with each of us is this. I receive you as my beloved. And no matter what happens in life, either good or bad, I will take care of you. I promise. Perhaps these verses are less about our lack of faith and more about this God 
who feeds the birds of the air, this God who clothes the grass of the field, this God who is not scarce or stingy, but rather who is kind and generous, this God who is especially fond of you, and this God who says to you, I receive you as my beloved, and no matter what happens in life, either good or bad, I will take care of you. I promise. Two specific examples are used in these verses, food and clothing. But we could just as easily insert any other need. For example, maybe this morning you've come and you're tired or you're restless or you're angry or you're alone or you feel abandoned or you are feeling depressed or empty or worried or broken or hurting, and that's the need you come with. We could just as easily insert that need that you've come with this morning, and the principle applies equally. The principle that God who feeds the birds of the air, God who clothes the grass of the field, God who is not scarce or stingy, but rather who is kind and generous, this God who is especially fond of you, says to you, I receive you as my beloved. And no matter what happens in life, either good or bad, I will take care of you. I promise. Then look at what Jesus says next. In verse 33, Jesus says this. Listen carefully. Jesus says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. When we are going through stuff in life, our natural tendency is to focus on our circumstances Our natural tendency is to focus on our trials, our troubles, our tribulations. But Jesus says, look up. Seek first his kingdom. Look up. Seek first his righteousness. Look up. Time and time again, the God who feeds the birds of the air, the God who clothes the grass of the field, invites us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, invites us to look up. Listen to some of God's invitations to look up from the Bible. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 says this. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. That's an invitation to look up. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's an invitation to look up. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's an invitation to look up. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16 says this, says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. 
Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's an invitation to look up. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 to 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's an invitation to look up time and time again the God who feeds the birds of the air the God who clothes the grass of the field invites us to seek first his kingdom and his his righteousness invites us to look up in 2015 I was at a conference in Colorado Springs and there's a place there called the Garden of the Gods It was here that I, for the very first time, saw people rock climbing. In Hawaii, we have these artificial rock climbing walls, but this is the real deal. And in this picture, a husband and wife are rock climbing up this particular mountain. I was amazed just watching them scale this mountain. Now, what you can't see in this picture is their teenage daughter, That is toward the bottom of the mountain. And she is struggling. She is struggling big time. And here's the daughter. This next photo here shows the daughter. She doesn't know it yet. But after much effort and hard work, she is almost up the mountain. She is 90% there. However, she can't see that she is almost at the top because of this huge boulder that's blocking her view. And to make matters worse, she can't seem to get her leg around this huge boulder. She's stuck. And after maybe a dozen failed attempts, she is exhausted and tired. And by this time, a crowd has gathered at the base of this mountain, and we're, we're all watching this teenage girl struggling, exhausted, tired, And you can sense this overwhelming uh, feeling of helplessness as she holds on to this huge boulder. And then, after a dozen failed attempts, she yells at her dad, I'm scared. Listen carefully to her dad's response. Her dad yells back, It's okay. Don't give up. I got you. Just look up. And here she is at the top of the mountain. Some of you are going through really hard times in your life right now. You're exhausted. You're tired. You're stuck. You're barely holding on. You're hurting and you're afraid. And there's this overwhelming sense of helplessness. And perhaps your prayer this morning is, Heavenly Father, I'm scared. I'm worried. And perhaps your Heavenly Father's response to you is this. It's okay. Don't give up. I got you. Just look up.